You're listening to the On The Rise podcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs as we make our way to the top. Here is your host, known as the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's John Lee here, also known as The Property Shark. And welcome back to another episode of the On The Rise podcast. Today, joining us from Canada, Montreal, Quebec, um, we have Mark. Thank you so much for for being on the show today, Mark. Uh, Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, And Mark, I mean, you have quite the story and and I do want to dive into it and kind of pin pick pickpocket your brains a little bit about kind of your thought process behind what you're doing but before we get there for our listeners that don't know too much about you could you give us a quick maybe like a one or two minute introduction about yourself yeah the one minute introduction is basically i'm the combination or the 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 venn diagram between a storyteller a farmer and a philanthropist and so those might feel a little bit strange and you might not know what I mean by any of them. Well, other than farmer, I think that's pretty self-explanatory. Uh, but storyteller means that I've learned uh, storytelling from the perspective of, of building brands and making content and sharing stories and perspectives online, both visually and, and you know, with words. Um, and then on the you know, farmer side of things, I, I run a farm. So that's, that's another you know, element of what I do. And the philanthropist side of things is really, I've been an entrepreneur, a serial entrepreneur for, for a long time, but officially, I guess, since 18. I'm 32 now. And uh, I, like to, I would like to say, or I'd like to kind of always invest in and work on project businesses and supporting people who are essentially lining up the ROI of return on investment and the other ROI of ripple of impact. And so that's what I look to do. That's who I look to serve and help. Those are the stories I like to tell. Those are the farms I like to build or the communities I like to build. Um, and the intersect between all of those is really what I do or who I am, quote unquote. Really, really cool. So you were a, an entrepreneur from the age of 18. Yes. Um, did that run from the family? Did you always have this like entrepreneurship itch in you and kind of what was your first venture and how did it go? Yeah, yeah. I, no, it doesn't really run from the family. I mean, my mom had some, like she had a clothing, a children's clothing store when I was growing up, but she kind of sold that and went into a normal job, you know, later on. And then uh, my father's a lawyer, so I didn't take over a family business or anything like that. Uh, but I did have obviously amazing parents who were, you know, educated and understand a little bit about life, and definitely encouraged me in many ways. Um, but I've been—I think I've always been an entrepreneur. I've always been uh, just aware of the value that I can bring, and like the—I've always had confidence on maybe a blind confidence in many scenarios on what I can achieve and what I can do, and just this belief that I just need to start. And so the first business that I ran and operated and sold was an indoor skate park. Um, and the goal was to build really a community and like a big lounge and a bunch of other things behind it. Uh, but the skate park was this pretty massive undertaking. I mean, at an 18, at 18 years old, our rent, our monthly rent for the skate park was 14,150 bucks or something, I think when it was year one. And, uh, and that's crazy. And as an 18 year old taking that on, like that's, that's, I still don't know how I did it, honestly, but I'm, I'm, I think it's like, part of my entrepreneurial journey is marked by the naiveness that I've had going into all the crazy things that have started, um, you know, since. 
Wow. Wow. Fourteen thousand dollars in re- monthly. Monthly. Yeah. Oh and my god. Add in insurance. Add in electricity. Uh, uh, you know, pay. Uh, running. Just running the entire thing. It was. It was a. At the time, it was about a half million dollar a year business. Uh, by the time when I took over. Right. Right. Yeah. And then from there on, did you, I guess, grow the business and then eventually sold it or exited it? Or yeah. what was kind of your game plan grew the going? Business. Yeah, I grew the business. I, I basically learned, I wanted to finance building a lounge. So I did that. And then as I was getting the financing and I had gotten pre-approved for the financing, uh, the financial crisis hit. So we survived that. We pivoted a bunch of different things and we like really moved the business through all of that. And then once we came out the other end of the financial crisis, I sold it, traveled the world, learned about storytelling, both through travel and also like, having no story because I was I had graduated from university and I was I had lost my my child at the time which in child meaning my business at the time was my only that was my core story I had been a student my entire life and I had been running this business for three years and so um you know I go on this trip I learn about who I am a little bit more obviously I have these deep dives a solo backpack journey through Australia then I land in China and I learned storytelling from another perspective because nobody speaks a language. So I have to learn story from like colors and symbols and sounds um, through observation. And so those are skills and ideas and, and things that I brought then into the world of um, marketing and the world of like running an agency and understanding people's talent and all the things that led to me creating a bunch of other stuff that I do now. Wow. So you, you actually went through school and then, I mean, I you did. went through university. Yeah. What, what did you take there? And, and I guess like when you graduated, why entrepreneurship? Cause I mean, there's a bunch of, I guess that ambiguity around like what you should do after you graduate and people feel like they're forced to kind of go find a job because yeah. it's safer and then maybe do something else later, but that usually never pans out. So I'm curious to, well, I was an entrepreneur while in school. So the, okay. when I ran that skate park and as I sold that skate park and the whole time I was there, I was actually in university full-time. So I was a full-time student and a full-time entrepreneur. I did uh, easily 80 hour weeks every week. Um, you know, if not, it's probably more than that, really. Definitely more than that. But um, yeah, so I was doing both full-time and I started in finance and accounting and ended up graduating in uh, entrepreneurship and marketing only because that's where my life was going and that's what I knew and that's what I was passionate about. I've always been passionate about storytelling in, in some way, shape or form. And, um, but yeah, what I didn't learn anything in school. I learned what I didn't want to do in my life. I didn't, I learned what I didn't want to be around. I learned the community I didn't want to be a part of the jobs that I didn't want to have the people I didn't want to associate with. Um, and the kind of learning style that I didn't want to have, but it catalyzed me um, as I was graduating, basically taking on a challenge where I was going to, I did a full body transformation challenge, a bunch of different crazy things. Uh, but one of the challenges was I was going to watch a documentary a week, every single week for 52 weeks straight. And that changed my perspective of the world. That changed my perspective of business. That changed my perspective of like impact and what I can do and what I can create. But it also mostly changed my perspective on storytelling. And what I mean by that is I learned about storytelling through that as well that 95% of the time where I was watching a documentary, I was hearing about the problem and very little was focused on the solution. Mm. That essentially I learned a lot about how we scale the villain in a story and like the dynamics of hero villain um, when it comes to through the lens, ironically, less so of like hero movies, which I'm obsessed with, um, but also the lens of like documentaries. Um, Mm. And I realized that we had a narrative problem. We had all these problems on the planet Um, But the biggest problem that we had is we had no way of communicating the solutions. We were just, we were constantly talking about the planes that don't land rather than the ones that do. We're constantly talking about the thing that's going off and going wrong in the media 
and the things that are going right. Um, and that's, that's natural. That's part of like, that's psychology. That's, that's humanity in a weird way. And so I started to learn all of these things. And that's how I, I guess I started to excel at storytelling and digital marketing and, you know, building an agency, two agencies um, and a bunch of different things. But it, you know, I've always been ironically like, and you know, I know you're in, in kind of the real estate world. I've always been in two elements of the real estate world with the farm. I'm in the physical real estate world, but in online, I'm in the digital real estate world and the real estate world that I'm, you know, talking about and those who are listening don't see this visually, but I'm pulling out my phone. That's main street. You know what I mean? Like, and you know, the Gary V's of the world will agree, but the, that, so, so there's attention real estate and then mm -hmm. there's, there's physical real estate. And so I've just, I've learned a lot about both of them. That's really cool. How, um, I guess the way you approach things and then you go on different challenges and sprints and I've kind of like more or less similarly approached my life like that, where like I was on kind of like a health sprint for the past couple of months. And then right now, like kind of going into winter, real estate's kind of dying down. I kind of want to transition into something else and then go on a sprint and go all in for a couple of months kind of thing. Um, so I think it's really cool how you did that with documentaries and you stayed consistent with that. Um, through the documentaries, was there a particular documentary that stood out from the rest? And I guess from watching documentaries, do you see like, I guess, was that kind of like the domino effect of you really getting curious and diving deeper into storytelling and how to communicate the solution versus just soaking in the problem and, and getting stuck there? Yeah, I think, I think it was like multiple layers of domino. Number one, I sold the business kind of unexpectedly. And then was all of a sudden the next day I got a check. I got a check. I was a, you know, a rich 21 year old or rich relative to, to where I was before. And so I felt like really empowered. And then all, the next day I was on a plane to Australia, right? So wow. that domino mixed with me watching a bunch of documentaries and learning where money came from. Uh, learning about fractional reserve banking. Essentially, we have a system of, of um, you know, more debt than there is money. And that like all the money that is in circulation is somehow owed back to the government and interest. That makes no sense. We're basically in a game of musical chairs and that we've engineered, fully engineered as, as you know, mathematically. And what that does is it catalyzes growth. It catalyzes that money circulates and has to circulate and move and grow and grow and grow. But that perpetual growth paradigm is in and of itself part of the cancer that is some of the problems that we also have too, right? Because we're always going to need to cut more trees or make more of this or find more profit. And every company is held to the standard, both on the stock market or both privately or whatever it is, but like they have to quote unquote grow. And that, that I don't know, I see limitations in that. Now, does technology change these different things? This is a, this is a debate that, that goes well, well, well beyond just a single, you know, a single thing. But what I could say is that those documentaries catalyzed what I learned about the world and the different problems of the world. And then how I was going to start addressing that, which was, okay, let me learn the art of storytelling because everything, anything that can have a voice um, can then grow into a bigger movement. And so I would say that I learned storytelling because I wanted to build movements. And that's why I started the farm was my, the farm was a, was like my absolute need to like, just do something that was completely different. And that just, it was like, it embodied every element of the solution of all the documentaries I was seeing in a sense, like plant more trees, like build, connect more with nature, build a paradigm of growth, but that's built on growth, like long-term thinking, right? Mm -hmm. Built on a very different 
paradigm than maybe the way that we operate our more capitalistic, democratic, you know, ism, whatever ism you want to put here, communism <laughs> as well, um, uh, society. Wow. I, I, I mean, storytelling comes up so many times uh, during our conversation today. And um, I think that's been kind of at the core of why you do what you do and how you do what you do. Um, from your point of view, is there, you know, is there a proper thought process or action steps that people can take to be better at storytelling? Because I feel like it's really underappreciated in today's society. We're more focused on how to make money and you know, whether that's like e-commerce or online marketing or whatever it may be like hustle, get a side job, like, you know, flip stuff on the side. Like we're always focused on money, 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 but not so much on like storytelling, which is such an integral component. If you want to succeed in, in any area of your life. Absolutely. Here's what I'll say. Every belief that you have is based on storytelling. Everything that is you and, and that you believe that you associate to some level of yourself is a story that you're telling yourself that other people have convinced you of, or then in some, some combination of the two, right? But everything about anything is, a, in a, is a, in a way a story. And I don't think we underappreciate storytelling. We just are unaware of it. It's so pervasive in everything that we're literally, it's unconscious to us. Like we don't realize that there's a story in the color red and how if I make a symbol with the color red or a symbol with the color green, they feel different. Like think about a red cross, right? I think about a little red cross symbol. Boom, that says health. That says uh, humanitarian aid. That says a bunch of cool, like help. That's what it says help, right? Red cross. Green cross might say weed, mm. relaxation, something different. Like ironically, it says something completely different. In, and in different cultures, it might be slightly different too. So there are stories. There are stories baked into every aspect of everything that we do, from the clothes that we wear to the food that we eat to why, I'm, why somebody doesn't want to eat gluten to this or that and the other. It doesn't matter. There's, there's layers of these stories that are impacting you all the time. And so what I find um, deeply curious is that what stories am I believing? What, what stories am I being fed? What stories am I listening to right now? Or you're listening to who's listening to this podcast being fed in your, your narrative right now, right? Because you're, you're absorbing a story. And so there's so many layers to why we do what we do and that, that are constantly kind of playing out that I think we need to, yeah, we just need to be mindful of when it comes to the stories that we choose to believe, the, the elements that we choose to continuously play into and the ones that we, we determine our, our identity or our character. Um, and so it's baked in everywhere. And, and, and if you want to grow your business, uh, you know, you can potentially hire more people, you can potentially do whatever, but a lot of it has to do with you. If you can tell better stories and you can communicate the value of your business more, the likelihood that you will grow your business and everything else that needs to happen tr is just trickle down from your ability to communicate your value, what you do and why it's important to others. And from the unawareness of the importance of storytelling is there a way that people can develop more awareness around it is it just again questioning everything in your existence from the coffee that you choose to drink from the clothes that you wear and why you do that did, does it kind of start there and did it start there for you too i yeah i think it starts in many different areas like you know i started to be aware of the stories i was reading online and i started questioning truth like oh is what the news telling me real or not real, right? How do I feel about this thing or that thing? Should I go in this way or that way? So, so the news was a good feedback loop. 
you know, and then the awareness of that, then, you know, my friends and, and like who, what I was associating to, what I was not associating to. Um, I just started to ask myself, how do I, how does this make me feel a lot? Right. Mm-hmm. And, and because that's what stories are engineered to do. They're meant to evoke an emotion. That emotion then becomes something we transcode or feel through. And then we go through different layers of that. Um, but it's just, there's just something to be said about how important it is. And if you, can, if you can tap into that feeling of how important it is and realize that it has like the potential to really be the next, like, like put, I'll, I'll put it in another way. A lot of people focus on morning routines. Sure. Right. Like, oh, what morning routine can I do to be more effective? I think that far beyond your morning routines is if you understand storytelling and you understand the stories you tell and you understand the stories other people tell you, the better understanding you can have of storytelling, you'll probably have a much bigger impact on everything than your morning routine will, including the story that that you believe that your morning routine is somehow the thing that's going to answer all the rest of the problems or do whatever. Like, you get what I mean? Like, mm. there is even a story in the morning routine. Wow. You get what I mean? Like there's yeah. so many people that made this a thing and made a brand out of that and made it an important thing. But then we get lost in other people's stories. We get lost in the motivation and the inspiration of other people. True. Like, oh, wait a second. I don't have the, I don't do cold baths every morning. I don't do na na na. Like maybe I'm missing out. Maybe na na na. And so now this story, this narrative starts to play out in your mind that maybe you're not doing enough and then maybe you're not enough. And maybe this is the right path or the wrong path. And all of those are stories. There, there, mm. there is no specific right path or no specific wrong path other than the one you determine for yourself. Wow. And that's really empowering, but it's also right. a little strange to think about, right? That's, yeah, like, uh, that's so true. And, and I think you're right because when you're constantly stuck in that loop of, oh, I'm not enough, or maybe there's more out there, you're looking for that secret sauce. And people are selling you that story of this, one secret that will make you X amount of money and X amount of months and all this pizzazz and yep. rah, 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 how to grow your figure agency to seven figures, la, la, la. Uh, well, so now you get caught in the growth paradigm. <laughs> yeah. Scale, 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 grow, 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 grow. <laughs> you don't have enough, but if you did this, you will have enough. And that's every story ever. That's every marketing funnel of all time. You don't have this, so maybe you need it and uh, I'm selling it. And, right. and then it's just your belief paradigm around how that's playing out or what that looks like, which wow. is so crazy. True, true. You know that's what I mean? Amazing. Yeah. And uh, quickly, um, I guess before we get into your farm and kind of um, Superhero Academy as well, I want to touch on briefly, I know you don't really like to talk about this, but uh, about like the digital marketing agency. I mean, you've run two very successful ones. I'm curious to see kind of when you went back from your travels, um, did you decide to use um, and kind of hone your storytelling skills through the vehicle of digital marketing agency and be able to Absolutely. test, yeah. I guess, your theory on big corporations and see what, where the results are. Absolutely. I basically learned on somebody else's dollar. I went to the school of life, built an agency that said, I can solve that for you and I can try at least. And so I took people's marketing budgets and tried stuff and did things. And I, I tried a lot on my own personal brand. Like I put a lot of my own money into many of the things that I advise people to do today. Um, and that's grown into, well, the two kind of sides of the agency. One is web development and design. And then the other is a kind of content storytelling, influencer marketing, and kind of digital social media storytelling in general. Okay. And so those two components basically 
you know, it's like one is like your defense. It's like, what do I know about your brand when I come and visit your website? And then the other is like the offense. Oh, well, what do I know about your brand based on what you're telling me online? You know what I mean? And so that's what I, I just kind of learned those skills by hiring people and working with them and understanding their, their terminology and understanding how they speak and like what, like just understanding the, the art of design, understanding the art of code, understanding the art of copywriting, understanding the art of videography, photography, so on and so forth. And so I took them all on. I've, I've done all of courses on all of them. I've worked with people closely in all of them. Maybe the, the, the one I know the least directly in terms of the, like coding the matrix is code. Mm. But I've worked a ton with web development. As I said that, my web developer just pinged me. You know mm. what I mean? Like literally, as I said those words, I have a developer who I'm working with constantly where I'm always innovating. Everything about everything I build is always this custom website because I'm customly designing the entire experience and the entire story because that's mm. what I'm obsessed with. So it, the marketing agency and even what I do in terms of like consulting now where I help big brands, people you know, you know, people do, you've seen campaigns I've done. That's what I could say. Um, and I don't need to name them because I don't care to name them. But the, the point is I've learned a lot about the psychology of stories and a lot about what makes a brand or builds a brand or what kind of can build an ethos behind a brand as well. Um, and that's just been a very beautiful journey uh, that I've been able to experience and, and learn about. And I guess for us, because entrepreneurship, I feel like is over glorified and kind of put on a pedestal these days, like starting a business or doing this and that. Um, like from your point of view, like I'm curious to hear kind of your thought process and like in terms of like, if you have any advice for someone who's like maybe looking to get into like the digital agency world, kind of like what mindset they should have going in. Um, and you also mentioned that you took some courses as well, but you learn very closely with people that are really um, well-versed in their specific area. So I'm curious to see like how someone can, I guess, learn about digital marketing with the mindset that you have to be able to take it on to other areas in, in life that you, they can make a bigger impact essentially. Cause that's beautiful kind of what you've been able to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would say it's kind of like being a tattoo artist. The first person you should tattoo is yourself. Um, so if you're going to do digital marketing in any way, shape or form, whatever version of that you're going to plan on doing, I would suggest doing it for your own launch or your own brand or something that's directly tied to you. Um, and, and then seeing and learning from that process, eventually finding other jobs or opportunities where you can do it for other people. And, you know, they'll probably have more budget or more, you know, so there's more leeway and you can kind of test that theory and grow that theory from there. Um, and then I would also say a lot of what I've, the reason why I'm, I've had my own kind of niche or success, I guess, in, in this space is that I generally approach everything I do in life, including in marketing from a long-term perspective, long-term thinking perspective. And so I don't just invest in the quick flash in the pan, meaning the thing I'd care the least about is the Facebook ad game, for example, or, and, and though, although it is the most powerful potent place you can put dollars and cents today to work, to grow a funnel and do the whole thing it's actually the least impactful when it comes to the story and brand. And it's actually wow. the most detrimental and damaging in some ways. Now, mm -hmm. if done correctly and you're using ads correctly to then build an experience, that could be untrue as well, right? But for the most part, most people are like, let me launch this thing, build a funnel, we'll do a quick little landing page, and Amazon FOB or whatever, like, you know, like, oh, we'll have a warehouse, they'll ship this thing out, and blah, blah, blah. Like, any, all of that, it's all money for the sake of money. That's all right. growth for the sake of growth for the, with no, to me, no substance behind it. There's no, 
there's no story that's like, oh, I, I scaled salt, salt and pepper shakers on Amazon and made millions. And now I'm like, wow. You know what I mean? Like there's no part of that story that I particularly care about that I believe is having a real world impact on some of the world's biggest challenges. It's not, so, not going to solve in any way, shape or form elements of climate change. It's not going to deal with the fact that our coral reefs are dying and uh, you know, one sixth of the world's coral is going to be bleached this year. You know what I mean? It's not dealing with the fact that there's like a bunch of different challenges that are essentially out there that I believe entrepreneurs can address. And when I see the Elon Musks of the world, who are it's not perfect by any means, but it's definitely dedicated and has built a story and has built a brand around doing what he considers to be the right thing and advancing the, you know, the electrification and the storage energy and, and the, the, ele- the, the development of what it takes to be a multi-planetary species right all the things that go with that okay including like oh hey we need to send power to mars (laughs) we need to have vehicles that work there we have to have like things and machines that work there well how are we going to do that well we have to build solar panels we have to build battery systems we have to build things that we can send there we have to build rockets so if you see his genius you realize that tesla is a vehicle for getting to mars if you see like what the boring company really is it's like a boring company is going to be important on mars not only here, and it has to have real, and then, and then what I love about what he does is he applies, you know, he has, he applies principles. So he calls it the first principle thinking. It's a, you know, a, kind of a, a science principle or a physics principle where you basically think about the problem from a very logical perspective and then say, how can this solve, how can this be incrementally better than what we're currently doing to solve this particular issue? And, and I think if you take that kind of thinking and then apply it to other categories, whether it be real estate or marketing or storytelling or um, I don't know, anything, you, if you can build, build real principles to what you're doing and then have a little bit of a longer term vision, um, then again, you can harness the power of a very powerful brand, a very powerful story, um, all of which is just way more powerful than the quick little Shopify stores that people are building to try and earn a quick buck. That, that are going to work for some period of time, but then are going to die because, because there's always a, the, the game and landscape, the algorithm, something is going to shift and it's not sustainable. Mm. Wow. Wow. Okay. And so if you, if you take, that was a lot to take in, but, I know, I know. Uh, but I guess like, I guess going off, like what you were saying, I guess the, to end things, um, it's like how Elon Musk approaches his thinking as to, always figuring out how you can make the current situation a little bit better, a little bit better and diving deeper into that problem or that solution and find out, you know, where can we really take this versus just the surface level? Like, for example, but but that's exactly the thing he's focused on the solution. Mm -hmm. And that's Mm -hmm. the exact problem that everyone, almost everyone else in business is focused on is like, what is the problem that I can solve for people? That is the most common way that you say, Oh, you want to start a business, find a problem and solve it for people. Right. Build a better mousetrap. And then, and then there's certain people that build a better mousetrap, but also reinvent the mousetrap. Like they mm-hmm. reinvent like the, even the problem that we even have mice to begin with. And mm-hmm. those people are the people I'm, I'm directly inspired by. Those are the, that's the person who I want to be and I'm looking to be in every way, shape, or form. And, and that comes with very different ways. That comes with a different story. Right. You almost have to reinvent the story yes. to, to that people didn't even think or thought of to give them a better solution that they didn't think they needed. 
exactly. Wow, that's really powerful, huh? Really yeah. cool, Mark. Because now that I, that's shifted, like the way I look at the littlest things in my daily life, and I'm sure I'll carry on the the questioning curiosity side of me again um, as to why I do what I do and how I do it every single day moving forward. And that that's really cool because it makes life so much more fun and exciting. And through that, you'll see a lot of opportunities in between the lines or beyond the surface level stuff that's going on. Well, that. And, and you'll, you'll, you'll melt into different layers of the anxieties that you're now feeling on the surface. Like, mm. so for example, you mentioned something about money, right? Like, oh, well, everything's about money, 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 money. And I can imagine you probably grew up in an environment where your parents were like, hey, you got to make money and it's super important and all the things. And at the same time, right above your head, there's a, there's a, you know, a ticket that says one life, right? Right. And that speaks to who you are. Right. Probably not so much to your, who your parents are, right? And that's my guess, right? Yeah. And, and my, my thought process there is that you're somewhat like, and all of us are, and so am I, living some level of a, a, a dichotomy between like, how do I earn money? How do I have enough, quote unquote? And then how do I really do what I really want to do? Like, how do I live my purpose or my passion and have the, the deepest of legacies and impacts? And how do I like really do the most with what I've, I've been given here in this mm -hmm. one life, right? And I just don't think that they have to be mutually exclusive, but what people need to learn is about the story that they can come back to when it's almost like an Aesop's fable, right? It's like, what are the principles that you can get back to that then allow you and enable you to know how to discern the best way forward? And I'm not saying the best way for everyone, I'm just saying the best way forward for you. Mm -hmm. So if your principles are, I wanna scale the, the, the fun that I wanna have in the world, right? And I just want to do everything for my highest excitement and, and pleasure. That's great. But you'll, you're not going to be Elon Musk. Mm -hmm. It's okay. You know right. what I mean? Like, cause Elon isn't doing it cause it's, a, it's one of his highest excitements for sure. But a lot of what he has to do to get there is definitely far from his highest excitement. Um, and it doesn't mean, but he can bring his genius to the table and he can bring his principles to the table. And that's where he's going to gain traction and ground. And then, and then, naturally be a leader that inspires a whole story and a whole movement because so many people like mark the, the fact that tesla does no marketing established a, co a company that is completely different that was that literally everyone believed was going to fail that everyone believed was not going to make it and then builds the fastest cars on the road at some of the most incredible rates of, of like it's incredible it's incredible and i'm not here to just you know toot the horn of, of elon musk i think there's lots of people who have done really amazing life-changing, you know, like uh, inventions and, and, and companies and organizations. And, and how you go about that boils down to the types of principles that you want to accept, the types of values that you want to accept in every element of your life. And, and you get to choose whether or not it's going to be hard for you to do that or change that. You get to choose whether you're a morning person or a night person, right? Like some wow. people are like, oh, I'm a night person. Oh my God, that's your story. Yeah, sure. But right. if you start waking up every morning, I guarantee you could become a morning person if you just, if you wanted to. And that's wow. beautiful, right? Like there's so many things that can empower us to do that, but we just have to, we have to understand our habits and we have to understand our habits, our, our neurological pathway stories in our mind. That like, they're just series of logic that we've organized in our mind that we can change. And, mm. and there's, and we are malleable in that way. We can reprogram certain things. And it's, I'm not saying it's easy, but it, but it's there. Wow, that, that goes so much deeper than just 
you know, the initial conversation that you had about finding the balance between making money because we need money to survive and also living a fulfilling, happy life that's passion driven and what excites you, you know, what you're, that, that, whatever that thing that makes you happy. So um, I guess for you, um, how did you find the balance? Did it start from you really looking into your stories and your narratives and your principles of the way that you approach life and really switching that? And that really allowed you to change your perspective on money, how to make money, and more so how to be able to really make an impact now. Is that like where it starts? Yeah. I mean, look, I, I think I'm always finding my balance because balance is an, is an act of doing and being rather than it is a state of achievement. Right. right? So, so for example, it's like think about being on a high wire, high wire and standing on a, or a slack line or some kind, right? And you're standing on the, on the line. Well, balance is, you, you have to continuously balance to stay on the line. Right. So, so it's something I'm actively participating. It's a muscle I flex every day. Um, but how I discern what I want to balance and what I should let go of or what I shouldn't be letting go of and so on and so forth, all of those things are, um, are decided based on some of the principles that I've moved and brought forward in my life. And wow. I found those principles by asking myself very, very, very difficult questions. And sometimes on the, through use of, of uh, plant medicines or all kinds of different things, but, but mainly just through life over time. And then I reevaluate those and I bring them forward and I, I make changes to those. Um, you know, it's almost like I'm, I'm running a software in the background of my mind. And I just, every once in a while, I do a systems update. But in general, the code of the software that I'm running is still based on certain principles, right? Mm -hmm. Like we can, we can update the software of our computers every day, but at the end of the day, we still have a mouse and we still have a keyboard and that is the way we interface with the software. Correct. So the values are more around the, the way I interface with the software rather than the outcome of what I'm doing with the software. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? It's like, the, it. it's like the principles of the software more than the, oh, well, I chose to do this on Photoshop or I chose to do this on, on Adobe Premiere or whatever it is, right? Right. Or, or get on a Zoom call and do a podcast. So, so these different, you know, principles are part of what I get to do. And then, and then I ask myself, like, I, I have metrics and see, see if I'm on, you know, the right path. And rather than those metrics being like, oh, do I have a million followers or did I make X amount of dollars? Right. I ask myself, like, kind of more basic metrics. Like, how many times I press record on my camera? And how many times did I press upload as well? Those are two metrics that both speak to my success as an artist and my success as a storyteller, because I believe storytelling is an art. So those two metrics are, are what, I matter, what matter to me, how I pay for these things, how I afford this beautiful mic and, and the, you know, the background that I have behind me. Well, that's just, I'm, I'm really focused on my art. I'm like really, 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 really good at what I do. And you know what the proof of that is? You're still listening. Mm. Yeah, that's that's the point like mm -hmm. the proof of that is if, if whoever's listening to this podcast if you weren't listening I, then it, that would prove that i'm not really so great at what i do but people are and and you know i'm not i'm not meant to, to not everyone needs to hear them the stories i need to tell um but some people do and for some people it's incredibly valuable and and i've just been able to harness that and understand that and understand it's like be so self-aware of elements of what i'm doing that I can even see my own stories, like my own, you know, wow. what I mean? it's almost like in the same way that people, I think of people that you are, I know people achieve elements of this surely 
in states of meditation or in states mm -hmm. of other things where they become self-aware of a pattern that they had or a trigger that they have. Or, you know, and they, they can do that through psychedelics or a bunch of other things. But for me, um, there's a real, I could see it in, I, I can, it's almost like I could dissect it through storytelling in a very different way. Mm. Wow. So, I mean, you have this, uh, I guess, saying that, that you really live by, um, and I would love for you to kind of expand on that. Um, and that is kind of to, I think something along the lines of like, to, in order to really like speed ahead and accelerate our growth, we have to slow it down, which is like really kind of counterintuitive. So I would love for you to kind of speak a little bit about that and maybe like maybe your, your own experience on, on why that's important. Cause I feel like we're sure. so focused on the growth that we don't really think about reflecting or taking a step back and kind of reevaluating everything. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think um, exactly. I, I think a lot of people end up down paths that they didn't necessarily choose or that they didn't take the time to choose properly. So number one, they didn't run it through their values and their principles. They're just like went with the flow, right? Like, oh, there's this client, there's this opportunity. Let me just jump into it. And they're, all of a sudden they're, they're swept away with the stream. Um, so many people have jobs that they're, I'm like, did you pick this job? Like when you were a kid, like, was this the job that you envisioned? You know what I mean? Like so many people do things that they don't really know why they're doing it. And so, you know, if you could sit back and ask yourself why a little bit more, I think you might, you might change the, pat the pattern of what you're doing in the world. It might not. That's okay, right? Mm -hmm. Like I don't not everyone and not everything needs to be disrupted. I think a lot of people are living their purpose, just not everyone, not most people. Um, let's say that. Um, and then, you know, when it comes to slowing down, I believe that if people really engineer the best in terms of quality, they will go a lot further than the game of quantity, right? Like, so for example, you can make a hundred videos uh, that you're going to post on YouTube, Facebook, blah, blah, 100 podcasts, 100 whatever. But if you're not understanding the real value of why people are listening to your podcast, the real ways that you can optimize it for the different platforms, the real ways that you can make the first three to 10 seconds of the video really pop, or what is the, what is the one thing I said in this podcast that we could put at the front of it that makes people really want to buy into the rest of it? You know, how can I get, how can I realize that the thumbnail is more important to an audience and the growth of the, of the podcast than it is the content of the actual podcast. Like wow. those simple little details, there are, there are things that you can see that if you were to slow down and plan and research and think about a little bit more, you would have a very different impact than mm -hmm. maybe the one that you are currently having. And so I see a lot of people squander marketing budgets. Uh, I see a lot of people squander money in, in all kinds of directions, trying to just, a lot of people throw money at a problem. Other people don't have enough money, so then they try and like they try and like work too hard at a problem. And I think if they were to slow down and plan better, um, and then schedule better, um, they would probably achieve more. And <laughs> and more is a relative term, but but they could do different, and they can they can achieve a result that maybe they're really after, rather than just a result. <laughs> if that right, makes sense. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, and so I. For me, I love the dichotomy of, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time working and, and consulting people on, on a very fast paced world, which is digital marketing and storytelling, right? And online storytelling. And then I have this other dichotomy of me that goes to a farm where everything grows incredibly slow. And every action that you take has massive consequences to the actions in the future. And by planting this tree, this fruit tree that's maybe four years old now, realizing that this tree is going to be you know, seven times, eight times the size that it currently is, uh, you have to consider that. 
So then what you plant around it has to be in consequence of that. Like, oh, this tree is going to eventually make shade here. So if I plant the blueberry bush under the shade, it might not survive as well. Wow. You know I mean? like, so, it's, so you have to have foresight. Mm. So the balance between those different things for me creates a very different mindset. And so that mindset is what I apply to everything that I'm thinking about. Like I'm launching, a, I'm launching stuff out now, right now in my brand. I'm relaunching my product, doing a bunch of stuff. And I had a, I had a conversation with somebody uh, who, who was an apprentice of mine who, ended up, who now runs the marketing agency that we built together. And he was like, oh, what's your goal? And I'm like, my goal is, you know what my goal is. My goal is just that it self-generates. Uh, I don't care that it makes money. I just care that it does what I, I, that it has the impact that it's looking to have and that it's sustainable. That I don't, that I'm not going to like burn, burn, burn and that we don't have the balance between the other, the, 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 the kind of the growth of it. Uh, or not even the growth of it, the, 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 conti the continuation of it. Longevity, yeah. Yeah, longevity. long term. Thinking long yeah. term. Yeah. Exactly. And so beautiful. I'm just applying that over and over and over again. Wow. I, I love to, to learn a little bit more. I know like even like before you started this farm, it was kind of in eight years in the making before it, you kind of brought it into life. Uh, I guess like from the time that you thought about launching a farm to, to the time that I guess to now that it's ongoing, um, what was kind of the biggest challenge that you face um, and how did you overcome it? But most importantly, um, I want to know kind of what sparked your intent of creating this self-sustaining community, I guess, for the long term. Uh, well, what sparked my intent is I, I watched way too many documentaries and I was basically uh, going to lose my shit. I basically, I didn't know what else I can do to address all the problems other than start, a, build a school I wish I could have gone to physically and digitally and build a community I wish I could have grew up in. It was the only answer that I had that made any amount of sense um, to the problems that I was learning about. And so that's one. And then, you know, the challenges I've faced, I mean, I'm an entrepreneur. I put out fires for a living. That's what I do. That's, that's what entrepreneurship is. It's creating value. You understanding that value, telling stories, rallying a team and getting them to coordinate and be an ecosystem and then put out fires and, and add in the elements of the ecosystem that are needed when they're needed. Right. So if it's too dry, add in water, if it's too hot, it's, you know, add in cold, like whatever, whatever the ecosystem needs, that's what I have to deal with. Right. Um, and so the same is true in farming right? The same is true, like, uh, depending on the weather. And if they were in a drought, I have to, I have to respond differently. Um, so I'm perpetually solving problems. Because um, that's what I do. I'm a professional firefighter in a way. Yeah. When it comes to my entrepreneurial journey. Um, and then beyond that, I'm a professional listener as a farmer, and I'm a professional talker as a storyteller. And that, so they're all part of that kind of philanthropeneur mindset, right? Okay. Philanthropeneur the philanthropist side of it is listening and addressing real problems that have real impact. And the entrepreneurial side of it is like doing and like making systems that self-sustain and self have longevity that build value that enable it to sustain itself financially, but also uh, from a team perspective, from an ecosystem perspective, it's building something that kind of can generate, right? It's like building an engine. And then, you know, so when you really think about what I do, um, you're realizing and you, st you can start to see the balance between all of these things, right? Me being on the computer when I'm doing storytelling, me being off the computer when I'm in farming, but one informing the other because everything is, everything is nature mimicking itself, including this, including technology. It's just a mimicry of nature 
that we've invented to make it more efficient. Wow. Right? So we're, we're just, everything has some level of biomimicry and every team has some level of like dynamics. And, and I, the same way that I look at like a tomato that grows next to a basil that grows next to asparagus that help each other. And they all have like properties that in permaculture help each other. Well, the, the same is true of like a CMO and a COO and a CTO having a particular dynamic and then just knowing mm. those people, understanding your ecosystem and listening properly before acting, right? Most entrepreneurs are acting. They're just like, what do I do? How do I do it? Hustle, hustle, hustle. And that is great, but it, but it leads. And I've done that. Like I've done that a thousand times over. Um, and, I, and I still do it in some way, shape or form, but it's not what like when i look back it's not what i like i'm not going to be like happy that i hustled all all this time i'm going to be happy that i achieved elements of the hustle to some degree but i'm also going to be happy about other things too and so i just create balance between those um and that's how i lead my life that's the values i have um are they for right for everyone no far from but they're right for me and I don't know, know you briefly touch on kind of like your goal of where you want to take this farm. Um, I guess in terms of like execution point of view, um, to be able to have a self-sustaining community, um, like what is kind of your game plan moving forward in terms of getting yourself there? Um, like actual like action steps that, that you are looking to take or in the process of taping, uh, taking, I guess, just to give our listeners an idea of you know, how long um, this whole journey is. And it's really not about getting quick results, right? Because everyone wants totally. to see results fast. So um, yeah, I'm hear that, that's out of the story. Yeah, it depends what fast means to you, right? But the, but the so here's what I'll say. Uh, the, the goal is to build a 150 person community that is self-sustaining, meaning they can find their own water, produce their own food, their own energy. They can essentially live off this property as a community with varying skill sets and still have their full sovereignty, meaning they still have their own bank accounts, their own houses, their own everything. There's no dogma. There's no religion that everyone has to subscribe to. They can choose how to live, but they're doing so intentionally, right? They're doing so with like a reverence for long-term thinking, the reverence for the systems and the ecosystem, a balance between their life and nature, a balance between give and take, and not just a consumeristic viewpoint of society. You want a normal consumeristic viewpoint? Move to suburbia. <laughs> moving a condo building right like you, you want just a consumption version where hey i'm gonna invest in this thing it'll maybe it'll go up two percent a year and blah, blah blah and do all that stuff you have a thousand million options to do that right, right. like there's millions 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 of apartments and 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 houses that you can do exactly that uh, but if you're on a different journey if you're the type of person who wants to build the electric car unlike you know ford who was building the gas guzzler over over years if you want to build that then that's what this community is doing and I see it as, a, as an attention real estate play, and I see it as a physical real estate play. I see it as a play in um, the world of carbon farming. I see it as a play in the world of like where the world is going to in terms of um, growing market share of, of uh, people wanting pesticide-free food and organic food, people uh, needing local, the challenges that are coming with globalization now between trade tensions and the fight between East and West. I mean, there's a lot of reasons why I think having a farm is by far the best real estate investment you could possibly make. It's the easiest way to build a house today for a millennial. Uh, it's probably the best financial leap that you can have. It's the biggest returns you can have on investment uh, on all fronts, farming and farming real estate. Um, I, like there's, I'm just ahead of the curve on something that I know I'm correct on. And it's beautiful to watch unfold because I don't need, I don't have this need that I have to win and prove that I win and then share it on Instagram right now. 
even though I do that anyway, I'm winning on other ways, but, but the, but I don't need to win. I don't need this community to exist tomorrow because I'm building it as I go. You know what I mean? And this community is meant to be a, a village for a long time. And so, so I think about it different. Like when I go to a church, or I see a church in, in a small town, right? And, and churches were like used to literally build America, right? Like there were, there were how we established towns. The first thing we did was we went and built the church. And that's because we built the town hall, the education center, and like the, the, the belief structure that was going to keep people together and, and build community proper, mm. right? You, you brought together three core ingredients that are necessary for community building and for, for like morale to essentially build all the rest of the things that the town needs, right? Mm -hmm. and, and that took time. That took time, like real time to do that and establish that. And so I just think at that scale, I'll, you'll never see me invest in something that's like a matchstick box condo like thing that's just not built properly uh, and not built with, a, a, it was built for money. It was built for maximum amount of dollar per square foot return on investment for this investor and this person and that person. Great. Those, those exist and I get it, but we, the world doesn't need another one of those. We don't mm -hmm. need another company who's just selling something for the sake of selling something and then trying to fucking convince people in whatever beta state that they're in while they're scrolling through Instagram that they should buy it through some Instagram ad. I just, right. the world does not need more of that. And, and, I'm so, and I know I'm also, by the way, it's not going to end. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's not because I say that, that it's going to end. Right. Um, but I do think that there's lots of people who want something different and the illusion is melting away for many. Um, uh, and we're starting to see the consequences of this. We're starting to see the consequences of our fast pace, fast fashion, fast everything economy um, to the point where we're seeing the stresses of what that does physically on the, on the planet to also the stresses that it does emotionally for us to, mm -hmm. the, and to, the, to the fact that like the second it stops, everything, the whole world goes kaputs. You know what I mean? And That's all so true. Like, figure out a bunch of basic income and like all these crazy things. We have to stimulus everything. We have to print more money than we've ever had printed before. And, and, and it then goes on this system of perpetual, you know, musical chairs I was talking to you about. Right. right. Our generation's got to pay for this, this whole shutdown that we're doing now. Again, whether you, whether you on one side of the, farm, the camp or the other, I don't care. The point <laughs> is we have to pay for it. Yeah. And that's going to tax our future. That's taxing our future. Right. And, and, right. and for the present to try and bail out something. Why do, what are we bailing out? Right. What, what, our, our, we never stop to ask, is this worth bailing out? Mm -hmm. and, it, and we're just doing it as jobs and then pressure because, oh, we're losing our jobs. And, and if, they, if, if the industry is big enough, there's enough people that it's enough votes that, it, that again, stresses the entire short term of the system. And right. the entire right. system is built on, I have to get elected every two years or every four years. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? So it's like, that's we're, 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 it's madness right it's madness playing out over and over and over again and i just i'm not a part of it and so that's what this community is about it's it's, it's just an alternative to that and it's not to say that everything we're doing is alternative not every you know look there's there still plastic that comes to our farm everyone's all yeah fuck yes do i still have a gas guzzler to drive there and back from time to time yeah i do you know do i want right. a tesla yes am i gonna have one at some point sure is that consumeristic too absolutely I'm not holier than now, you know what I mean? Like, right, but I'm right. trying, I'm trying something and I'm looking to innovate. And my innovation is in the storytelling side of things, the brand side of things, the movement building side of things. That's beautiful. Um, how you kind of put everything together, Mark. And it was so nice to hear your story and, and share your entrepreneurship journey, but also like the philanthropeneur side of you. Um, and to be able to understand better your thought process and why you do exactly what you do. Um, to wrap up this podcast, 
Um, kind of to elaborate on a point that you made a little bit earlier, um, if you could go back to your 18-year-old self again, knowing what you know now, I mean, like, what would you tell yourself? I mean, just, just give us it all. And, and I think you have a lot of great insight, um, maybe foresight too, for a lot of younger individuals that aren't there yet to be able to see it. But I think um, you would be able to, to help guide and maybe um, prevent people from getting into pitfalls or, or accelerate their growth in, in, in other areas. So, yeah, I would, I would say um, measure twice, cut once, slow down. I would say exactly what I'm saying right now is slow down, realize it's all happening, bet long-term, understand that everything is a long-term game, uh, realize it might play out differently than you expect and be okay with that. Um, and just, yeah, just lead with love. And, uh, and the other piece of advice I would say is uh, focus on the people rather than the outcome. Focus on like being the best possible human to all the people that you work with rather than the outcome of what they can give you and what you can exchange with them. Um, that's what I would say. Wow. All right. Mark, if I'm after, I mean, the whole lockdown and everything, if I'm ever in Montreal, I would love to come by and uh, say Absolutely. hello. And, uh, Absolutely. Welcome to. Oh, that would be amazing. And if you're ever in Vancouver too, I mean, I mean, if you do travel a bit, I'd love to. Will do. Yeah, I, I do. I love Vancouver. but no but you actually like from like me being in real estate too like your perspective of like having a farm and how it's the most affordable way for millennials to own a home like that is interesting i've never had that perspective at all well yeah i mean look there's so there's a runaway train in certain elements of real estate and then there's this non-runaway train that is actually growing very sustainably very powerfully that actually gives people way more freedom way more lifestyle way more space way more opportunity but it comes with the consequence of not being in the center of the city mm. that's there's a there's a you know and so now you have to ask yourself what do you value do you mm. do i value being close to the walmart or do i value being a little bit further out mm-hmm. and and it's just a question of values now i know what I value, which is that I'm not going to wait until I'm 65 to realize what I wanted to, what I could realize now. So I just played these timelines out. I just thought long-term and then said, why don't I, rather than at 65, started at 23, you know what I mean? And that's what changed everything for me. It it just changed the perspective of what I was doing and how I was doing it. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of disruption in the real estate game. Um, And, you know, it's not to say that I don't think condos are going to continue to rise in value or that suburban homes are going to continue to rise in value. I do. I do think they are. They're great stores of value, um, fine, financial value, mm-hmm. but they're not great stores of, of like humanity being better value. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they're not, they're, they're, they're different. There's a different kind of value. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, and, and if you think about like long-term thinking, like you know, there's certain cardinal rules in real estate, like location, location, location. Great. Well, what's the long-term vision of like where Vancouver is going to expand if you were to bet in 10 years now, mm. from now? Like, where is the city going to expand in 10 years that you can buy today for a fraction of the price that you'll make a 10x leap on rather than a 10% gain on? Correct. That right? would be into the valley, like the, the Fraser Valley area. So I mean, yeah. even like Langley um, or even like further out, like Abbotsford, Chilliwack, 
would probably yeah. even Chilliwack's picking up, and it's. I think Kelowna's picking up. You yeah, know what I mean, right. I like think, the, think, way, yeah. You could go <laughs> even out of Vancouver and then say like, where where are the cities that are going to pick up? Like, what, what I love what, that, why, and why, right? Like, right. Because what's changing? Well, what's changing? We don't ha- all have to live in the city anymore because That's we're not all we're doing remote work now. All of a sudden. That's so. so true. What does remote work mean for this? Well, okay, so now we start to shift and change, and and so, but again, this is this to me was obvious. Like, wow. I think like, I'll, I'll give you another obvious thing. Is it, forget coronavirus. Is it more cost effective for a company to have a full remote workforce and not have to pay massive overhead and pay downtown real estate prices for physical like offices compared to everyone just working from home, having more time off, paying them a little less money, but also saving a ton of money and a ton of headache. Which one's worth more to most companies? And over time, we're going to see that most companies are going to choose remote work. And right. that will happen, virus or not, that's going to happen. Right. So what does that mean for real estate? Well, that means that I can live in Toronto, but work at it for a company in Vancouver. Correct. And now, Correct. all of a sudden, the real estate game shifts big time. Right. Real estate move away from city centers where I have to live in a matchbox to, well, what is the, where do I want to live that matches my actual lifestyle? Where uh-huh. are the mountains that I want to go hike or the, the bike rides I want to take? Or, so, so real estate will disrupt. And, and back again, I'm just, all I'm trying to do is, bring forward those principles and then think about them. And I'll add one last thing. So what happens to all that real estate that's currently there, that's commercial real estate? What are we going to do with that? Mm. So what's the game? How do you invest in that? Now it's not going to play out tomorrow. It's not going to play out next year, not the year after. It's going to play out over time. What can you, what bets can you make there? You know what I mean? So I, I'm a long-term thinker, so I'm a long-term better. I bet on Tesla hundreds of dollars ago, you know, in terms of stock price. Wow. You know what I mean? And, and, and so that's how I, I win based on what the principles of the people running the company and the principles of what the company does. And then my ability to be like, oh, I don't need to make money right now. I'm putting this in an account that I'm never going to touch. That's just a way of me leveraging so I can build the next thing that I want to build. You know what I mean? And so I realized that this is just a game and I just need to play the game in the way that I think makes sense for me. Wow. And so how do you see uh, commercial real estate play out? Just kind of curious. And what bets are you making? Because Kelowna was interesting. I think that, it's man, good, good, you know your shit. Uh, <laughs> I do. I know, I know a thing or two. Um, but but I, I, don't, I don't fully know. I, I mean, look, I think a lot of commercial real estate would then end up turning back into residential. Correct. So we're going to see a shift between commercial turning to residential, which has happened over time, over, over years mm-hmm. um, in, in certain areas. Um, and we're going to see... I don't know. I, I don't fully, I don't, I haven't given it enough thought in certain markets and in certain ways how that's going to happen, but that's actually an inquisition I've been having. So all right, my right. real estate friends, when I'm, when I'm hang out with them, these are the questions I'm like, Hey, if commercial real estate were to collapse tomorrow, what, what do you think would replace this? Like, what yeah. would happen? And yeah. then what are you noticing in commercial real estate, you know? Right. And then, and seeing how that plays out. I think like commercial real estate will become more window shopping where it's like, you're going to go to a store, see stuff, but then order it online and it'll be shipped to your door. Right. We're going to have like smaller stores with less inventory, but that's our version of just in time is like, it's so efficient that we don't even store it here. We just like send it to your house. Yeah. Directly. But yeah. you're using this as a way to experience the product or experience it with the thing you're going to buy. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are, that's how I think retail is going to change. I don't quite know what's going to happen with all that office space yet. Yeah. I'm, I'm in that inquisition myself. Wow. Yeah, that's really cool. And and when it comes to like, I guess, lastly, before we wrap up, like when it comes to networking and building connections and um, like, how do you approach that? What's your mindset on? My goal is to just find people who are smarter than me. 
So they, okay. I, I, if I can see that they have a superpower that is that is like very unique and they've really taken the time to master, then yeah. I just want to yeah. be in the rooms where people have taken the time to master something and, and know what their superpower is. Right. And, and you kind of know when, when, like, you know when you meet those people. Um, and so I just spend an enormous amount of time uh, going deep with the people who I can identify their superpowers rather than going wide. So I, I'm less about like, go to seven conferences and blah, blah, blah. It's like, no, go to one, meet some really amazing people and go deep with like three of them. Okay. You know what I mean? Got and it, then like it. focus on like at that conference, I, I, I was meant to meet three people. Right. You know what right. I mean? Yeah. Even though yeah. there was hundreds or thousands in the, in the, at the conference, sure. I was meant to meet these three people and I'm going to go deep with them and I'm going to follow up regularly. Um, and they'll follow up with me and I'll build real relationships with these people, you know? So I'm a, I'm a depth long-term thinking like and, and back to my principles playing out in every I way love that. Yeah. I'm, I'm not a tomato farmer i'm a fruit tree farmer more so right. you get what right. i mean so so it's just it's just that thing playing out over and over and over again now the only thing that i do tomato like is garlic but garlic has it's garlic so for every bulb of garlic right every little clove of garlic that turns into a, uh, an entire new garlic that makes another four or five cloves let's say three to five cloves on average yeah. So think about that. Think about the multiplication effect of like, I plant a clove, it makes five. I plant five, it makes 25. Right. What, what else in the world can I get that return on? <laughs> like the financial world. True. Pure finance. <laughs> what else can I do? Like I could buy cheap land. I can do this thing. I could pay people to do all of it if I wanted to. Yeah. And then yeah. I can make this kind of return. What, where, where do I get that investment in the stock market today? Other than maybe I invested in Peloton early and I got lucky. You right. know what I mean? Like, or I was a, a, a number one investor in Uber before when, you know, and it got raised rounds or something. Sure, that's possible. But yeah. to be that, in that position is, is, first of all, it's a bet. But this is a sure bet. Right. It's like a, and now, does it have risk? Yes, drought, this problem, the other things, a fire rolls through. I don't know. There's risk. But, yeah. But there's, but there's, but it's just a very tangible, physical thing. And then you think about like, oh, well, the China, most of the garlic comes from China and they're paying a lot of money for organic garlic all of a sudden. And that price is rising. And so, and it's rising faster than inflation. It's rising different. Like there's so, I, I, look, I feel like I'm just like, I'm telling the stories and trying to convince people why farming is a very powerful opportunity. It is, it just is. Um, it's the hardest business in the world to start, but it's, there's layers as to why you can really make waves in the world of farming. And that's why I spent a lot of time doing it. And the physical benefits to my body, the, the emotional benefits to my spirit, my soul. I mean, there's a thousand reasons why I do it, but it's, it's, yeah, it's beautiful. It's an art. It's an art that is played out over time. And that's beautiful. I love that. Yeah. I love to chat more with you about that too, about yeah. farming specifically, and then kind of pick your brains and bounce ideas around. So, and, and even, yeah, your life too is so aligned. I think it's the, the common theme of the, the values and principles that are kind of stacked over and over and over again. And that's why you've been able to build this beautiful like skyscraper over time. Um, and you're still building because you have a really stable foundation. And that's, exactly. that's amazing. I'm focused on the roots and the roots then make for the bigger tree. Yeah. That's the simplest way of saying it. Love that. Yeah. And Mark, last but not least, where can people find you? How can people be, you know, uh, you know, if you got all the way here, you know where the links are. You've seen <laughs> podcasts before, you know where to find me. My name is Mark Angelo Capola. You can find me on every social media platform, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> but more importantly, what you could do, and this is what I want you to do. All right. Go all leave right. a comment, hit a like, hit subscribe on this podcast. 
engage, engage with this very podcast, because that is going to help you. That's going to help me. It's going to help everyone. So um, if you got all the way to this end of this podcast, you found value in it. And that's where you can share that value and pay it forward by literally hitting like commenting, subscribing, like go rate the podcast, like whatever it is, just do something that shows that you care. Appreciate that. Yeah. That's going to be a new outro. <laughs> <laughs> they know where the links are. You know what I mean? Like I, yeah, they know. They figured it out at this point. Like anybody who's gotten this deep into a podcast has figured out the internet. <laughs> All right, Mark. It was such a pleasure chatting with you. And uh, we'll be in touch. Thanks. Thanks for having me on. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to the On The Rise podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. The music composition and vocals is done by Graham Best. Your host, of course, is the property shark, Mr. John Lee. Have a wonderful day, and we will, of course, see you next time on our way to the top. Cheers. Cheers.